Now, when gleaming dawn with bright eyes beheld the lofty peaks of Pelion, and the calm headlands were being drenched as the sea was ruffled by the winds, then Typhus awoke from sleep, and at once he roused his comrades to go on board and make ready the oars. And a strange cry did the harbour of Pegasi utter, yea, and Pelion Argo herself urging them to set forth. For in her a divine beam had been laid, which Athena had brought from an oak of Dodona, and fitted in the middle of the stem. And the heroes went to the beaches one after the other, as they had previously assigned for each to row in his place, and took their seats in due order near their fighting gear. In the middle sat Antaeus and mighty Heracles, and near him he laid his club, and beneath his tread the ship's keel sank deep. And now the horses were being slipped, and they poured wine on the sea. But Jason, with tears, held his eyes away from his fatherland, and just as youths set up a dance in honour of Phoebus, either in Pytho or haply in Ortigia, or by the waters of Ismenus, and to the sound of the lyre round his altar beat the earth in time altogether with swiftly moving feet, so they to the sound of Orpheus's lyre smote with their oars the rushing sea-water, and the surge broke over the blades, and on this side and on that the dark brine seethed with foam, boiling terribly through the might of the sturdy heroes, and their arms shone in the sun like flame as the ship sped on, and ever their wake gleamed white far behind, like a path seen over a green plain. On that day all the gods looked down from heaven upon the ship, and the might of the heroes, half divine, the bravest of men then sailing the sea. And on the topmost heights the nymphs of Pelion wondered, as they beheld the work of Etonian Athena, and the heroes themselves wielding the oars. And there came down from the mountain top to the sea Chiron the centaur, son of Philera, and where the white surf broke he dipped his feet, and often waving with his broad hand, cried out to them at their departure, A good speed and a sorrowless home return. With him was his wife, bearing Peleus's son Achilles on her arm, and she showed the child to his dear father. Now when they had left the curving shore of the harbour, through the cunning and counsel of prudent Typhus, son of Hagnius, who skilfully handled the well-polished helm that he might guide them steadfastly, then at length they set up the tall mast in the mast-box, and secured it with forestays, drawing them taut on each side, and from it they let down the sail when they had hauled it to the topmast, and a breeze came down, piping shrilly, and upon the deck they fastened the ropes separately round the well-polished pins, and ran quietly past the long Tisian headland. And for them the son of Egrus touched his lyre, and sang in rhythmical song of Artemis, saviour of ships, child of a glorious sire, who has in her keeping those peaks by the sea and the land of Iolcus. And the fishes came darting through the deep sea, great mixed with small, and followed gambling along the watery paths. And as when in the track of the shepherd their master countless sheep that have fed to the full of grass follow to the fold, and he goes before, gaily piping a shepherd's strain on Irish shrill reed. So these fishes followed, and a chasing breeze ever bore the ship onward. 
and straight away the misty land of the Pelasgians, rich in cornfields, sank out of sight, and ever speeding onward they passed the rugged sides of Pelion, and the Sepian headlands sank away, and Skiathus appeared in the sea, and far off appeared Perisei, and the calm shore of Magnesia on the mainland, and the tomb of Dolops. Here, then, in the evening, as the wind blew against them, they put to land, and paying honour to him at nightfall, burnt sheep as victims, while the sea was tossed by the swell. And for two days they lingered on the shore, but on the third day they put forth the ship, spreading on high the broad sail. And even now men call that beach Aphetai of Argo. Thence going forward they ran past Melibea, escaping a stormy beach and surf-line. And in the morning they saw Homily, close at hand, leaning on the sea, and skirted it, and not long after they were passing by the outfall of the river Amirus. From there they beheld Eurymenae, and the sea-washed ravines of Ossa and Olympus. Next they reached the slopes of Pallini, beyond the headland of Canastra, running all night with the wind. And at dawn, before them as they journeyed, rose Athos, the Thracian mountain, which, with its topmost peak, overshadows Lemnos, even as far as Myrene, though it lies as far off as the space that a well-trimmed merchant ship would traverse up to midday. For them, on that day, till darkness fell, the breeze blew exceedingly fresh, and the sails of the ship strained to it. But with the setting of the sun, the wind left them, and it was by the oars that they reached Lemnos, the Sintian Isle. 